Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 179 of Yogaland. Today, my guest is vinyasa yoga teacher Nicole Bell. Nicole reached out to me with her story, just via email, and it really caught my attention. She can tell her story well, she's clearly been through a lot, and I wanted to share it with you all. So, Nicole was born and raised on the east side of Oahu. She lives there again right now. She just finished her teacher training, and she teaches in Kailua at Hot Yoga by the Sea. Nicole did not always have such a healthy relationship with yoga. So she started out doing Bikram yoga when she was just out of high school and found that simultaneously she spiraled into having anorexia. She struggled with that for years, and she is, as she describes it, still in the process of healing, but definitely on a more healing path. I wanted to share this story because I think it's just so common for women to struggle with body image and for so many people to struggle with eating disorders. And I'm so impressed by Nicole's ability to articulate what the experience is like. And I'm impressed by her courage in coming forward and sharing so openly and so candidly. Nicole also let me know that this week is National Eating Disorders Awareness Week. I had no idea I was scheduling this interview at the right time, but it just so happens that it is. So if you want to learn more about that, you can go to nationaleatingdisorders.org. Okay, enjoy the interview with Nicole. So, Nicole, thanks so much for being here today. I'm excited to talk to you. Yeah, me too. And I always tell people whenever I do little breakout sessions during Jason's trainings, people ask me, like, how often do you take cold pitches as guests on your show? And I'm like, well, <laughs> like 0.1% of the time, but you are one of my people. Yay! Yay! Yeah. So you reached out to me and told me a little bit about your story. and. We've talked more, and I'm just really happy to feature it, and I think it'll help a lot of people. So basically, I want to just start at the beginning. So you started doing Bikram yoga about 10 years ago, right after high school, and at the same Mm -hmm. time that you started doing Bikram, you kind of described it as you spiraled into anorexia. And I I just want to read a little bit of what you wrote to me, because I think it's so descriptive. You said, I loved watching myself shrink in the mirror and master the poses, I came back for more every day. I was obsessed with calorie burning. I would also add a run and gym session in each day. Combined with eating an apple and some broth is way too much on my body. During this time, I only now see that yoga actually kept me alive. I gave myself permission to eat after a yoga class. A day without yoga, even though I still hiked or surfed, I didn't let myself eat. So... I just know that you are not alone in having this experience. I think obviously yoga can be so healing and you also have that part of your story, which we'll get to, but I just know that you're not alone in having this experience of getting into this cycle of exercising or yoga and then having it kind of feed the challenges of an eating disorder. One of the things you said when we spoke on the phone is that you felt like in some ways the way that Bigram is taught fed the eating disorder. Could you talk about that a little bit? So besides the ridiculously hot room that at the time, I guess that was back when everyone believed that 
the hot room makes you skinnier because you're sweating and you sweat out your fat or burn it. I don't know. Yeah. So I believed all that part, but it's just, you come into the room, it's quiet. Nobody's smiling. Everyone's facing the mirror. There's mirrors on all the corners. The teacher's not smiling. They don't really say much. They just, you start the, I forgot what that original breath is called. You just kind of start and it's very, very serious and not in a good way. It's kind of like welcome to torture. Yeah. It's like a boot camp feeling. Um, yeah. Yeah. And just the whole time, it's just, it's you and it's competitive. You're looking at not just other people, like how high you can lift your leg and dance or pose. Like you're looking at yourself in the mirror and you're like, you need to go further. And then the teacher's like, go further, go mm-hmm. further <laughs> instead mm-hmm. of other classes here that are like, just take it to your edge. Maybe take it to your edge. Maybe don't. Like, mm-hmm, right. maybe back off. Be where you are. Yeah. Bikram teacher's like, swing that leg forward and wrap it around your neck and <laughs> it should hurt. <laughs> like, yeah. It felt like it was torture. I liked that. I felt like I deserved to have this torture and be in this hot chamber. <laughs> I feel kind of bad saying these things about it because I know that there are people that have had transformative experiences with Bikram. Mm -hmm. And I do like the aspect of doing the same. I like and I dislike this, the aspect of doing the same poses over and over again and seeing how you're getting stronger in certain poses and noticing how your body fluctuates on a day-to-day basis. But I wasn't really caring about any of that stuff. That's the whole issue with it is mm-hmm. I was just caring that I was going, I had to go to the class first thing in the morning and I had to sweat a lot because that would make me skinnier. Even though I know that's not true. I had to push myself because if I didn't, I didn't deserve to move on with my day. So it was pretty toxic for me. And mm-hmm. I feel like there are others that it was also toxic for. Have you read Benjamin yeah. Lore's book? I'm blanking on the name, but his his name is Benjamin Lore. I don't know. It might be triggering for you, but he has a very similar story about being really, really deep into the the Bikram system. And I feel like you do. You know, I am not here to bash hot yoga. I'll bash yeah. Bikram like till the cows come home because he's <laughs> an indicted criminal and he's on the run right now and I'm not cool with him. He's an abuser, but but the system... Ever since that documentary came out, everyone's yeah. like, no shame. Like, right. I hate that stuff. <laughs> right, right. But I know that, like, people teach variations of it. And like you said, like, for some people, it's helpful. But for you, it obviously triggered some... It just triggered, like, unhealthy internal patterns and habits for you. So... Yeah, it wasn't yoga. It was... For me, it wasn't what I was looking for from yoga. Yeah, yeah. It was totally different than what I do today. It's like com- the complete opposite almost, even right. though it's a lot of the same postures. Right, right, right. Nastiness, but so, so that's interesting to me too. It is very interesting. Yeah. It's not just what you do, but how you do it. Exactly. Yeah. Your mindset. Right. So, but one of the things you said really is interesting to me. You almost like appreciated the being broken down in the in the Bikram class because it fed this kind of perception of yourself that you had to be skinnier and all of these things. So mm-hmm. where do you think that came from in you? Like, were you just going through a really challenging time in your life or you and I've talked about anxiety as 
being kind of potentially a root of the the issue. You could kind of all bring it down to this. I failed out of my freshman year of college Mm. and I had gained the freshman 15 that everyone gains. But I mean, I was still skinny. I've always been, you know, on the thinner side. But for some reason, I was like, oh, my God. I'm fat now. So I just, you know, I had the failure of I had to move home because my parents were like, we're not helping you out anymore. You need to work. Like if you mm-hmm. want to go back to school, it's all on you. And because I was lucky they were helping me that first year. So I kind of was just like, I had no control over my life, zero control. The only thing I could control was my body. Mm-hmm. So I started mm-hmm. focusing on that. And I actually wrote on my mirror in my room you are fat, do not eat, which sounds kind of, it's really tough, but like, it sounds completely ridiculous to me right now. I'm like, what? (laughs) So I woke up and looked at that every morning and went to Bicker. (laughs) (laughs) And that was the, the beginning that I was like this punishment that I deserved it. I failed out of school. I upset my parents. I am not good for anything. I was in a toxic relationship, of course. So it was kind of all this like bad timing of everything and mostly just a loss of control over my life. Mm -hmm. And we can all control our bodies to a certain extent, but Mm -hmm. I've learned through recovery that, I mean, and of course other people know too that have even dieted that your bodies actually tell you what to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> they tell you what you want and how far you can go in a yoga pose or how hungry you are. And it's just a matter of tuning into that, that I had turned off while I was restricting and whatnot. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, gosh, it's, it's not, it seems like you've totally analyzed and really you can see what was happening. Like you said, you yeah. lost, like, when we feel like a failure at something, we do grasp at control. And so that environment too was also like ripe for that feeling of like, yes, okay, I'm going to be here and it's so hot and it's so intense. And yeah, and I can just, I can control everything in this particular environment. I can put my leg however high I want. And if it hurts, good. Kind of like. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So at what point did you start to come out of that and realize like that you needed to go do some treatment? Um, it's like about nine years. Wow, so. honey, really? <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm yeah. so glad you're alive. Um, <laughs> well, I wasn't doing Bikram the whole time. Okay. I did find, I found hot yoga, which was a completely different take on yoga, which is, that's the kind of, that was the aspect that I think when I found hot yoga and just vinyasa, non-heated, other types of yoga, because I had only done Bikram. That was my only, that was my intro to yoga. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know there was all these other types. So that was the point where I was like, I started doing these kind of yoga classes. And that's when I was like, okay, you know, it's okay if I start eating like one meal a day instead of just like little bits of things. So I would eat like a full meal, eh, what I thought was a full meal. <laughs> after after my yoga classes that I was going to. And it was helping a lot with my anxiety. Bikram was not. Bikram was making my anxiety worse. And I think that that kind of kept me going. It kept me alive. Honestly, it's kind of dark to say that, but it, 
it kept me alive going to yoga and making sure that I did eat because I went to yoga and that was the only reason that it was okay to eat. Mm. I deserved to eat. (laughs) And basically up until about a year and a half ago, I was on that kind of existing doing yoga, knowing that there was more from it. I knew that I was getting these benefits, but I also knew that, you know, you can't really reap the benefits if you're not nourishing your body. And I could only go so far, Mm -hmm. but I would keep going. So it was still not a very healthy relationship with yoga. And I actually ended up probably, it's yeah, been a year and a half. And I went to treatment over on Maui because I'm born and raised on Oahu. And I was there for about a month. And at that point, I was having panic attacks every day. I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't drive. I couldn't like make myself a bowl of cereal. It was like the most debilitating. I mean, for anyone that's had a panic attack, you fully know that feeling. If you haven't, you really don't know it. (laughs) So it was the worst that I've ever felt. I felt so incapable. And I was like... That actually was what made me go to treatment was the the panic attacks and the right. being able to not do anything because I couldn't even eat because I couldn't feed myself, like let alone the eating disorder. Like, So I went to Maui for about a month. It was the typical, you have to eat like every couple hours. Did that help? <laughs> Basically, we like, ate what, all day. What, really? Yeah. Wow. Oh my it, gosh. It helped, because, it helped because I needed to eat. Yeah. For the most part, there's so much more to an eating disorder besides gaining the weight. I think gaining the weight is probably the easiest part right, because right. it's the first thing that happens. And then after that, you're kind of just thrown out and you can maybe keep the weight on or do whatever you want. But what's really helped is my mixture of I do neurofeedback. I don't know if any you know what that is. And... I've got acupuncture. I have a great therapist. It helps so much finding a good therapist because Mm -hmm. otherwise you're just, you won't go anywhere. And I have such a good support group, my friends and my family. I don't know what I would do without them. I ended up going back to the same yoga studio that I went to after I did Bikram. This was probably a year-ish ago. Mm -hmm. And that's where I did my, my teacher training. So... That was kind of the biggest thing that opened me up to all these amazing benefits that I have been not able to see or feel firsthand that yoga can give me, along with, of course, proper nutrition and whatnot, the obvious kind of things. It's been interesting being at this studio that I, you know, I was still restricting back then when I went there, but I loved going to the classes for more than just the exercise part. Mm -hmm. And just kind of looking at myself in the mirror now, almost 10 years later at the same studio, like now pretty much being a teacher, I'm almost done. And just looking at my body differently. It's Mm -hmm. crazy. I never thought that I would, I would feel this way again. It's amazing, honestly. <laughs> I don't know what else to say besides it's amazing. That is I'm amazing. I'm myself again. People are like, you're alive. You're, you're you. It's the alive thing that gets me because I have been alive for the last 10 years, but I have been existing. Yeah. So it's yeah. a huge difference. And I feel like people, 
that's a lot of people's struggle is they're just existing, not maybe with an eating disorder or some other mental health struggle. It's, it's just this, our lives kind of thing that Mm -hmm. we're just all existing and rushing in. Yoga brings you back to who you are, where you are. It's, I love it so much. Oh Oh my goodness. (laughs) It's just amazing that you had such a difficult start and now it's sort of come back to this uh, place of being so helpful. I'm going to make you go over like a few more details just because it's just Mm -hmm. helpful to to kind of tell your story. So super disappointing to hear that going into treatment, they mostly just focus on the practical aspect of, of you gaining weight. That's like, makes me so sad because like you said, I mean, it's a psychological disorder. Like it's, there's so much so much going on. And I'm glad that that you have the resources and the ability to find a therapist outside of treatment that's been helpful to you. One thing about that, though, is that it's almost impossible to get through to someone through therapy and like talk therapy and whatnot mm-hmm. until they have the nourishment in their bodies. Okay. You could do so much therapy and so much, you know, trauma release exercises. And there's all these alternative things people do, healing touch. And nothing would change because your brain literally can't even focus on something for more than a minute or so. Right. It's you, you have to have the food. It's, it's tough because you need both, but you really need the food first. Yeah. So it's sort of like a, a gradual, like it's a step by yeah. step. I mean, they did, we did do therapy at the treatment center and stuff. And it was, you know, it's on Maui. It's beautiful. We went mindful walks on the beach, stuff like that. But I didn't get much out of that because I was so hungry. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Nine years, you were kind of in this, in this state, in this like liminal, like hungry we talked about this a little bit, but did you have an awareness as you were going through it of like, something has to change, something has to change? Or were you sort of just so in it that you felt like it was you were going to stay there forever? Both. I didn't come back from college that first year when I failed out of school and was like, I'm going to develop anorexia. Like, <laughs> I don't think people do that. I mean, I was just like, I'm going to lose my 10 pounds. Like, cool. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I think that people are genetically predisposed when they diet to developing an eating disorder. I think that's one thing. Right. And then your surroundings too. But I think I had told you this when we talked earlier, I was at home, I was sitting with my mom and she was, you know, she was always trying to get me to eat stuff, obviously. And I just started like crying. And I was like, mom, I like can't even eat. I, I didn't, I can't even explain the the feeling, but it's like, you can't eat. It's like somebody has a knife to your throat and they're like, you can't eat. It's like You're terrifying. Not. The thought of it it's is terrifying. So scary. Yeah. It's like the most obvious reason is you're going to gain weight, but it's so much more than that. It's not this like vein. You're trying to be skinny because yeah people that are anorexic, I mean, for the most part, there are people that are normal weights too, that are restrictive eaters. But a lot of the people that are underweight, they, you can see, sometimes you can see, sometimes I would look in the mirror and I'd be like, oh my God, you know, I'm 85 pounds and I'm five, seven, like, oh my gosh. I can see all my bones. And then other days I'd wake up and be like, oh my God, like, 
ew, like look at all that fat on my body. And it's like, I'm the same size. So that body dysmorphia was there. But just that time telling my mom was like the kind of the, not the catalyst, but it was like a really like, I was like, wow, like something's wrong with me. Like, how did this happen? Right. So I think that was when, because of course my parents didn't know what was happening either. They weren't expecting this. Yeah. (laughs) So it's all, it's new. It's like anything. People don't understand, you know, something until they deal with it firsthand, like a panic attack. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But then after that, I, you know, because it's been years, it's been almost a decade and I knew that I needed help and I would go to therapy sometimes. I'd go to groups. There's like intensive outpatient programs. I did that for a while. I got nothing out of it because I still wasn't eating nearly enough food. And Mm. I knew all these years, I still know that I just needed to eat. And then I could work on the deeper rooted issues because there are, it's it's not just you need to eat. It's like you need to eat first and then you need to address what's going on. Mm -hmm. But I I did know. So at the beginning, I had zero idea what was going on. It's really freaky. Mm -hmm. And then I got used to it. And I was like, is this my life? Am I always going to measure my food and weigh myself and obsess over, measure my thighs, like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, not be able to look at my reflection, just cry, just cry when I look at my reflection. I mean, I don't anymore, but I used to. And it breaks my heart now, even though it's myself. I'm like, geez, like. <laughs> We're so, so hard on ourselves, you know? Yeah. And through this teacher training, I'm learning like it's, therapeutic. Mm-hmm. Teacher training is therapeutic. <laughs> I'm learning to love my body and I've learned it through my actual my other outside therapy and stuff but just all, you know, the sutras and the layers of your ego and who you really are and yeah. It's all just so pertinent to my journey and I assume so many other people's journeys. Totally. Yeah, so, it really is. It shows you that you're not broken even if you think you are and that like Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's interesting when you were saying, you know, one day you look in the mirror and realize like, whoa, I'm really skinny. And then the next day you look in the mirror and just not want to look at your body. It just made me think of, like, I have never had a specific eating disorder, but I certainly have struggled with body dysmorphia, you know, Mm -hmm. probably since I was like 12 and I just went through puberty. And I think that's so hard for so many girls. Um, and also, I was a belly dancer, and like it was really reinforced from the yeah, adult, adults I around was too. me. Yeah, 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 to be yeah. skinny, skinny, skinny. And I just realized, like, it's taken me, you know, until like midlife adulthood to realize that when I look in the mirror and I think something negative, whether the voice is like really negative or whether the voice is just sort of that that nagging everyday mm-hmm. negative voice, it's just this like subtle form of self hatred. You know, it's this way of like not being, not allowing yourself to love yourself Mm -hmm. as cheesy as that might sound like it's. So, I mean, it sounds like you were struggling so much with just your own expectations for yourself and having disappointed other people. And it kind of like was all kind of mushed together into this, this whole, (laughs) this whole, whole, whole disorder, but but oh, it yeah. also sounds like it's really amazing that you are finding your way out. So what kind of yoga are you doing now? So I'm 
trained in heated vinyasa and non-heated. Okay. Okay. So it's so okay. Pretty basic stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then when you decided to go back, were you scared? Like, did you talk to your therapist about it? Were you? I didn't. I didn't talk to her. Yeah. I kept it to myself. I talked to her about it after. And I think my timeline was wrong because this was like, I went back to the studio maybe four or five months ago. Mm -hmm. I think I might have said like a year, but a year was when I went to treatment. So really recently, within the last six months, I went back to this studio that I had originally gone to after Bikram. And it's like this whole new place now. <laughs> it's the same place, but it's like so different for me. For like, you, it's same, yeah. The same amazing teacher who's been teaching me um, and training me through my teacher training. She has the same philosophies, same knowledge, but more knowledge now. And I'm taking it all so differently. It's crazy. I'm. It's like I have a different brain. <laughs> That's great. That's so. That's good. What happens when you eat? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah. yeah. So like, I guess I see what you're saying. It's like once the nutrition is there and you've got the energy and like your body is fueled, then you can start to your perception can start to change about everything. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you skip lunch or something and you start to get hangry and. It's the same. You can't focus on what you're doing anymore. It's like that, but like times a bajillion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, most people have experienced that to some extent, but it's like, and then the years upon years of restricting and not giving your body enough. And we, you've talked about, you also have been recently diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's interesting. Like, it seems like that would potentially have fed the eating disorder. Do you think that was part of, because I, I I don't know much about Crohn's, but I know it can be hard to eat. Like I know that it can, because you feel pain. Exactly. And it's a good excuse not to eat mm, also. Okay. I also have celiac. So I had been kind of in this recovery, starting to gain a little weight a couple years ago. And then I found out I had celiac and then I was like, oh, can't have gluten. Like, oh, right. can't eat that, can't eat that. Sorry, can't eat that, can't eat that. So then I lost weight again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was just like a short blimp. And then I started to get a little, you know, a little better for a while. And then I was just having this really bad stomach pain. I think it was after I had pancreatitis for some reason. So it was like a perfect storm. Mm. I wasn't really eating enough. and my body was under a ton of stress. And then I got the Crohn's diagnosis and I was put on, you know, those elimination diets where you take a bunch of food out to see which one your body can tolerate. And that was just a really terrible idea because I needed to eat some food. And it was interesting because the first time I got any relief from the Crohn's was when I went to Maui for my residential treatment. Uh When I was eating whatever they gave me, Wow. Variety of stuff. That I is so interesting. Have, I had like the upset of like all the food in my belly because that was new for me, but I didn't have any Crohn's pain at all the whole the whole month. Do you it think was maybe even it's... the first morning I was like, what's wrong with me? I feel fine. Like, <laughs> Do you think I'm maybe hungry, it's but... <laughs> because like going to treatment and just sort of surrendering to like, okay, this is what I have to do now sort of removed some stress from you and then maybe... Yeah. Yeah. All I had to do there was eat. Right. That was my only, no work, no boyfriend, no family. Like 
I just ate and we didn't have our cell phones. Like they took our cell phones from us. We only had like an hour a day or something. So no social media, like Uh Mm -hmm. it was pretty cut off, but in a good way. It was like, you're here for yourself. Like an hour yoga class, you're here for yourself. Put your phone away. Just focus on yourself. Right. So yeah, I think that the variety of food, you know, um, diversifying your microbiome and all that. And again, that's something that yoga has incredibly helped with. I haven't felt this capable in so long. Mm. Um, and this strong, like I'm still not very strong, but I'm getting there and I (laughs) I'm feeling it and I'm taking my time, but I could wake up in pain and go to yoga and if even for, you know, 75 minutes, I'm in Zen mode and not even noticing my stomach pain because I'm focused on my breath. It's like the greatest break I could possibly have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you went back to yoga, you went to the same place. And yeah. so the place didn't change. The teacher didn't change. The type of teaching didn't change. You just completely changed. Was that like yeah. immediate when you went back? Were you just... I was so nervous the first class that I went back and I asked my teacher, oh, do you remember me? And she's like, oh my gosh, yeah. Like, luckily you shouldn't say anything like, you were like 30 pounds lighter. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But she was just like, oh yeah, like, welcome back. And I was like, okay. Like, everyone was smiling in the class and met a couple people that first day. It was just, it was so great. Such a new beginning. Yeah, I'm so happy that you were able to come all the way full circle and and now you feel like it's such a valuable part of your life, not about control, but about turning toward yourself and embracing yourself. And letting go. Like, mm. I don't need to control my body. My body is, especially this Crohn's diagnosis, I have no control over my body. My body is taking care of me, if, if anything. That's what our bodies do. They are here to take care of us and keep us alive. And Hmm. even after all the restricting and not giving it what it wanted and kind of just bullying myself and my body for all these years, I feel like I'm starting to listen to it and feel it. And, you know, there's so many modifications in a yoga pose. Like, I don't need to do the full bind all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't need to do all the chaturangas. Like I'm not trying to prove myself to anybody. I'm trying to make myself feel good. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's what I'm awesome. trying to do. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you feel like this is a little bit of a segue, but uh, to a different topic? But you mentioned like not having your phone when you were in treatment and not having to look at social media. Do you feel like the imagery in yoga social media is triggering. Like, I know that it just is for so many people. And I just wonder if it's something that you have feelings about, basically. (laughs) I mean, yes, yes, I do have feelings. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I feel pulled. Even when I'm at my neighborhood studio, I feel, you know, somebody comes in, in their perfect Fabletics outfit, and they're like toned abs and they're doing every perfect arm balance. And then I have to be like, why am I watching them? Like, what am I doing? What's going on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm in my own little world. Like, why am I getting distracted by this? So I'm pulled that way. And I'm, I need to be like that. I need to reach for that. And then I'm pulled to this, wait, but 
this is for me, this practice is for me. This has nothing to do with this other person. And I guess I've been seeing a lot more of, you know, there's all that body positive Mm -hmm. stuff on Instagram now. And Mm -hmm. maybe the larger woman is doing some crazy yoga pose that proves that like, you don't need to be like a stick to balance on your finger kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Loving your body, all that stuff. It's, I feel really pulled because I do have social media and I do scroll through stuff all the time. Trying to get better about that, of course, but it's, it's really I, hard. I love social media. It connects people, mm-hmm. but it also like is such a comparison and then it brings it to the yoga class and you're super conflicted. And that's something that I always struggle with. And I don't know when I won't. It's yeah. a constant. I have to constantly be on. I have to constantly be on. That's basically my how I feel about that. Yeah. And I feel like most people do too. It's hard to come to yoga and be there for yourself. You have to make a conscious effort. Otherwise, you're going there and you're just comparing yourself and you might as well go to Bikram class. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like you said, it affects everybody. Social media especially affects everybody. And so it's smart that you said you just have, you just have to be aware of it kind of a sucky answer, but it's the truth. You you have to choose. We all have to choose to be affected by things, to be triggered by things. I think earlier you were saying, um, I think a book or something, you were asking me if I read and said it might be triggering to me. And I've learned that it's not the person that's triggering you or the picture or, you know, it, it, it comes from me, I'm being triggered. I'm triggering myself. Mm. So we are all triggering ourselves. Mm. I don't know if that makes any sense, but it, it does. It it's, does. It's not, you can't really like blame someone. Like, you can't be here because you're skinny and you're triggering my eating disorder. It's like, I'm allowing myself to be bothered by somebody that is thin, but maybe doesn't have an eating disorder and just that's their genetics. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, right. It's, right. They're not like, I shouldn't be angry at them for that. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And I shouldn't not eat because they're in the room. Like, yeah. 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 One of the things you said to me when we were talking on the phone is I think I had asked you, when did you know that things had to change, but you kind of couldn't change them? And you said, it's like having a really loud voice in your head. Like you might know something that you have to eat, but then you have this voice in your head telling you not to. And I thought about that a lot because it was such a clear image. And mm-hmm. I thought about how we all have those negative... The critical voice. Yeah, at That's different times and different levels. And and we all have to work with that voice and we all have to work on on that voice. And yeah, I wonder if that's just sort of part of your healing process is constantly just becoming aware of that voice and then responding to it in the in the most skillful way that you can in that moment. Definitely. That's a big focus on, I don't think just eating disorder recovery stuff. I mm-hmm. think that, you know, people dealing with depression, mm-hmm. anxiety, you kind of identify, you say, I feel fat. And we all know that that's not a feeling, but I say that all the time because mm. I'm still having an eating disorder. I'm still, I'm not there yet, but I'm working on it. And that's not a feeling. So it's like, what do you really feel? Because mm. um, so that's the negative voice that I feel fat. And then it's like, well, I feel overwhelmed. 
because I am 27 and I'm not sure what I want to do with my life. Mm -hmm. And I feel out of control and I feel like I need to control something. So therefore I feel fat. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. There's just like, there's so much extra. You could take so much time and it takes a lot of work and you have to want to, you have to want to do it. But you do separate this critical voice every time, you know, even people that say, you're like with your girlfriends or something and you're like, oh, like I'm such a mess today or my hair is such a mess today. Like even saying little things like that is unnecessary and unkind to our bodies and ourselves. It's totally. like, why do you even need to say that? Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. I'm so bad. I'm eating a cookie. Why are you so bad? You're just eating a cookie. Like, <laughs> We're so conditioned. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's We're amazing. so dumb. I'm so dumb. I forgot my purse. Mm-hmm. Like, why don't you just say you forgot your purse? Why do you have to be dumb? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. We're a human. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. It's tough. And we all do it because I don't know if it's just like a societal thing, but it's, this negative self-talk is so bad. And it's, you really, like you were saying earlier, you start to believe it. And then you feel that way. You're like, I deserve to be calling myself dumb and stupid and ugly and worthless. And and I just you know, have all to try things. harder or something. You know, you tell yeah. yourself some story of like, I just have to try harder or I have to work work harder. I have to do more. I have to be more. And then you project that onto your loved ones. You know, yes. then you project that on the people around you and you're like angry at them because they didn't, you know, do something the way you wanted it done. Or, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's a really vicious cycle. It's a really vicious cycle. And it is, really is everywhere. My daughter the other day, she's only seven and she said something similar to that. It was such a small thing, but like, oh, I'm so stupid. I can't believe I did that. And I was like, my heart yeah. was just beating like, oh no. You like really hear it. That's why it's like all this, all these years I didn't hear these things. Like I'm like, oh, stupid, stupid, blah, 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 I'm dumb. You're a bitch, like all this stuff. Like you don't really hear it. And then like, you know, you're a mother. So you're like, my mm-hmm. daughter just called herself stupid. Mm-hmm. Like even Where did though it was she even get passion, that? it was like, why is she calling herself stupid? Right, <laughs> like, right. <laughs> Where does she even get that concept? And she doesn't even realize it probably, too. She's just saying it because everyone else does, too. We all do. Yeah. 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 But it's hard to hear it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to work on my my boyfriend right now. He's very, like, because I'm, like, always, like, oh, nope, I'm not dumb. I just forgot to go to that appointment. (laughs) Ha-ha. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I think humor is, honestly, the best way to deal with it. I do. I really do. I've been bringing a lot of it into my life Mm -hmm. recently. Mm Mm-hmm. I know eating disorders aren't funny, but <laughs> there's some funny parts. I mean, <laughs> you have to. I have to. It's just like... <laughs> I love it. I like What out. else are we going to do? <laughs> yeah. I like dark humor. I, exactly. I yeah. A lot of people do. You have to. Mm-hmm. And it like makes people feel awkward. So sometimes I'm with my friends and I say something like, eh, I'll just not eat today. And they're like, uh, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm just kidding. Like... <laughs> Give me that sandwich. <laughs> oh my gosh. Maybe in a few I more still years. I don't know how to respond. Kidding. Yeah, I know. I can't help myself. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, it sounds like you've come so far, and I'm so happy for you. I'm really inspired that you're willing to be open, tell your story. It's hard, and it helps, a, it will help a lot of people. I'm certain of that. So I hope so. That's my, yeah. that's my new passion in life is to try to, you know, so many people are struggling with so many different things and especially, and I don't want to say especially, 
I mean, a lot of people that come to yoga, like everybody, that's another thing I like about it is everybody's coming to the class for all different reasons. Maybe somebody wants a workout. Maybe somebody wants to be more flexible. Maybe somebody's trying to just have a moment because they have like 20 kids and they're like, I just want to go to this yoga class and mm-hmm. like just sit in Shavasana and like be alone. Like maybe they want to breathe. Maybe they're having a panic attack and they want to go to yoga. Maybe they're recovering from an eating disorder and they want to go to yoga and meet themselves for the first time. It's just crazy that, you know, to wonder, I taught my second class yesterday, which I'm super stoked on. Thank you. And I was just looking around the room like, wow, like all these different people, like all different ages, all different sizes. I'm just like, I wonder, like I wanted to just ask each person, like, why did you come today? (laughs) But the interesting thing is, because I used to teach part-time and I I would have a similar feeling, but I also, I think the interesting thing is when you teach people yoga, you see them in a little bit more of a vulnerable state than kind of everyday yes. life. And you can see why they came, not, not, not you can see like their individual issue, but you can see like our connected humanity. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, we're all just trying as hard as we can to yes. like do this pose and to breathe and to listen to the teacher and to help our body or just... It's we're so all, humbling. It is. To just be all in there together and mm-hmm. yeah. all kind of reaching for the same break in life, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was going to... My last question was going to be, what would you say to someone out there who's who's suffering the way that you were right now? And what kind of encouragement would you offer? You can't do this alone. It's impossible. I tried to do that for like 10 years and that brought me nowhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't be ashamed because, I mean, no matter what you're struggling with, don't be ashamed of it because it's who you are. It's it's happening. It's going to grow you into this amazing person. And I feel like that's what's happening to me right now. I don't know where I would be without these struggles. Mm. Obviously, it sucks, but I don't think that most people get the opportunity to connect with themselves and really get to know who they are without their jobs and their, you know, their partners and their kids and their houses and their cars, who we really are. It's really hard. It's super hard (laughs) to get help and to go to therapy and to eat if you can't eat. But it's it's so worth it. I was told this too for the last several years. That's why I'm trying to think of like what different besides it's gonna suck for a long time until it feels better. Um, like anybody that's working through trauma or uncomfortable feelings. It's going to suck for a while, Mm -hmm. but it's going to feel so like, I feel not the skinniest I've ever felt, but like (laughs) the lightest and the freest and the most capable, the most independent. I feel like I have the world at my fingertips, which is what, you know, people always tell you in your 20s. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like that. And I live at home with my parents, (laughs) (laughs) but I feel all these things. I'm like, when I move out, like, I'm going to just be flying in the air. (laughs) I'm going to be rocking. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Like, (laughs) oh my goodness. But don't be afraid to reach out to people, anybody. And I think a big thing for me was you're not alone. I remember going to my first group 
therapy session and people were saying things that I felt and thought. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not an alien. I'm not alone in this. Go to yoga. (laughs) Yoga has helped a lot. Yeah. Um, (laughs) That's awesome. And it sucks because it's got to come from you. It can't come from anybody else. Can't. I almost wish that I was younger when all this happened, like under 18, so that my parents could have sent me to treatment and forced me to do these things. But I had just turned an adult. So mm. they were like, you know, they can't really do anything. Mm. That must have been so hard for them. Yeah. I mean, people can reach out to me. I'm a good resource because I'm living it still. Yeah. Are you and on Instagram or do you have a yes, website? Yes, I am. Okay. I'm on Instagram. Okay, great. Well, we'll yeah. put it on the, we'll put your, however, the best way to find you, we'll put it on the show notes page. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And just don't give up. It's mm-hmm. the yeah. last thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much, Nicole. I'm just so appreciative of you and I'm so glad that you're doing well. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, letting me tell my story a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. I will put show notes at yogalandpodcast.com slash episode 179. And if you live in San Francisco or the Bay Area, you can join Jason and I and Stephanie Snyder at Love Story Yoga the evening of March 6th. We're hosting a panel about self-care, radical self-care. It'll be from 6 to 9 p.m. And you can go to lovestoryyoga.com to get tickets or register for the event. Okay, until next week, enjoy your practice. Enjoy your practice.